Hey everyone, it's Erin with Tall Ships America, and you are listening to A Bark, A Break, and A Schooner Walk Into A Bar, a podcast where I get to know the people in our Tall Ships community. As a friendly reminder, Nick Hardesty has his own podcast spinoff now, uh, focusing on maritime history called A Bark, A Break, and A Schooner Shape History. So like and follow on Apple Podcasts, it is a separate podcast, so you need to follow it separately. This month, I got to reconnect with a good friend, Captain Jay Amster, current captain of Tabor Boy at Tabor Academy. We talk about people impersonating dolphins in Alaska. We talk about the luxury of ice when it's really hot. And I show Jay his doppelganger. And I think I'm vindicated. If you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Tall Ships America, please help us identify Jay's twin. He was a crew member on board Lynx in 2008 on the West Coast. It's been a 12-year mystery, and to this day, I still think it's a long con by Jay Amster. Regardless, Jay, welcome. Jay Amster. Thank you so much for being here on this very hot, very sultry day in New England. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> Thanks, barely holding it me. together. <laughs> I bet you are doing so great. You don't even have to wave the sign that says, hey, I don't have any air conditioning around. And so this is what's happening. You're doing great. You can just see like my face is just like my face is <laughs> melting off my face is basically what is going on. <laughs> That's the first time that's ever happened, so we should probably record that. Yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing we're doing this on Zoom. So again, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I know you are super duper busy. You have uh, increased your household by a hundred percent. So congratulations on the new baby. Uh, but I can you um, introduce yourself, who you are, what you do. Sure. Well, I'm Jay Amster. I think you uh, you said that I am the current captain of the schooner Tabor Boy at Tabor Academy and uh, director of Tabor Boy programs. The Tabor Boy is a 1914 pilot schooner out of the Netherlands that's been a sail training vessel uh, and it's been here at Tabor Academy since 1954 and is a sailing school vessel run by high school students. So the only license required on board is mine and I need uh, five deckhands from Tabor Academy, three of whom have taken a lifeboatman class and at Tabor Academy and that's that. And we can have high school students come out sailing with me uh, for a period of 12 hours inside 24. It's pretty great. Looking back on my high school career, I'm not sure how that would have gone for me. <laughs> I, 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 I spent a lot of time thinking exactly about that. <laughs> me in high school and the nerdy band kid that I was in high school and the oh. completely unengaged with all the opportunities in front of me kid I was in high school, would I have been able to take advantage of this? Probably right. not. And I so it's pretty fun because this is a self-selecting group of students. Okay. It's not required. And so they, they decide this is what they're going to do. It's kind of like being on the lacrosse team. It's an after-school co-curricular activity, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, they get to spend the fall season and the spring season and the summer on board uh, working the boat. And they could potentially be there all four years of their high school career. So do they do any longer transits or is it just a, a 12-hour or, yeah, 12-hour um, voyages? Uh, usually we're underway in the afternoons after school. Uh, okay. If we're going to, you know, we can do overnight trips or uh, weekend-long trips as long as we're not underway for more than 12 hours in a 24-hour period. The boat does go down south, has traditionally gone down south every third year. Uh, we haven't been down south in a couple of years now, but she spends time down in the islands over the winter doing a reef program down there. 
and yeah. high school students are invited for that. But if the boat's going to go offshore, she does need to have an appropriate number of Coast Guard licenses on board and a professional staff. So Okay, very cool. And so this is kind of a big deal that you are the new captain because this is you are the first new captain in since 1985. That's right, yeah. So Cap Jim Guile was here. Uh, I think he started at Tabor Academy in 85, 86, but he took over in you know, full-time in 88 and been on board for the, uh, the better part of 35 years. Unbelievable. So are you settling in? <laughs> I am. It's a lot. It's a, I think you hit the nail right on the head there and settling into this place. There's really established culture. There's really mm -hmm. established uh, way that things have been done. Uh, when you've been in a boat for 35 years, you know, every rivet and uh, every splinter of wood and every scrap of sail. And uh, they're just a part of you. And mm -hmm. so it's going to take a little while for me to get up to speed on all the secrets that a 107-year-old boat has, uh, it's a good challenge. Yeah, to make it your own. I think that is that can be really exciting. Daunting, but exciting. Yeah, I think the daunting is a, uh, <laughs> a word that I think of weekly. Wow, this, okay. is, this is a new flavor of daunting. <laughs> I like that, a new flavor of daunting. <laughs> yeah. So are, did you grow up uh, sailing? Do you have a sailing background? I didn't grow up sailing at all. Uh, I grew up on Long Island in New York. And so I lived, you know, five miles from the water my whole life. And the only thing I did on the water was take the ferry from uh, Long Island over to Connecticut, Bridgeport. It was one of those things <laughs> that you get on a boat like you get in a taxi. Somebody else drives and it gets you where you're going. And, and that's that. And then I went to school in Boston. And the first day of school freshman year, I met a guy that ended up, you know, becoming one of my closest friends. And uh, maybe a year later, he did sea semester. Mm -hmm. And so he, he did a sea semester program on this, on the boat westward and would not stop talking about it. So he came <laughs> back and I mean, this is, I went, I graduated, you know, in the early 2000s. So like mid nineties, the school mm -hmm. newspaper at Northeastern is a, not exactly a color newspaper. It's black and white. You're lucky to get a photograph in black and white in this school newspaper, but there's a picture on the front page in color of my buddy sitting on some white sand beach with this big white boat anchored out in the background. And, Oh, wow. Okay. That caught my eye. What's going on there? And I'm reading the article. And later that afternoon, he comes back. He says, you got to do this program. And he spent months trying to convince me to, to apply to SEA to, to do a semester program. And I ran out of excuses. I didn't, I don't know anything about boats. I don't know anything about sailing. I'm not a yachty kid. I, I don't study science. I don't, mm -hmm. they're never gonna let me in. I can't afford the program, whatever. Mm -hmm. Months, months of making excuses <laughs> about why I'm, I'm never going to do a semester. And finally, I said, what do I need to do to get you to stop busting my chops? And he just get a brochure. I said, send me two brochures. Great. So uh, <laughs> the problem with the brochure, of course, is that it looks amazing because it is amazing. And well, there you are. Uh, I applied to the program figuring that, all right, let's see. They're probably not going to let me in because I study business. And <laughs> who wants that kid on the boat? <laughs> but uh, but for, you come uh, for on board I don't with know. your little trumpet and your calculator, you're like, that's right. That's <laughs> exactly right. How did you know I was a trumpet player, Aaron? That's exactly right. And so uh, you know, I'm figuring like, okay, I got my little computer and I've got my trumpet. Nobody wants that guy. Right. And not only did they let me in, but they gave me a scholarship. And uh, the long and short of it is, I did the program, and it was, I guess, cliches become cliches because. Well, there's some truth in them. It was a life-changing experience. It changed everything that was going to happen after that, but I didn't know it at the time. It was mm -hmm. the first time I'd been surrounded by people who were genuinely engaged 
and enthusiastic and committed to what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because of how much money they were making. It was because of the experience itself. As if the experience could be enough of a reason to engage in whatever the thing was. And I often think if the first time I encountered a community like that was on the Iditarod, would I be like a a dog sled driver right now? I don't know. (laughs) But it was the first time I'd encountered a community of people totally committed to one another and their work. Right. Not financially motivated. And as a guy who was studying information systems and marketing in Northeastern at the time, that was really appealing. Yeah. So I didn't grow up sailing, but the sea semester program is what got me into that life, this life of crime now. I, it's <laughs> 22 years later. And if you had told me back then that I'd be a sailing ship captain, I would have laughed pretty hard. Uh, right. But after I graduated, I figured I'd go sailing for a little while. Oh, yes. That's how they get yeah. you. That's how they get uh-huh. you. <laughs> for a little while. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> it's, it's, been, it's been a little while. I mean, yeah. You know, when you're young, the, the furthest you can see is, is, is just a little bit ahead. You, you know, mm-hmm. as a student, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to be a captain. But I was thinking about, hey, the deckhand on this boat is the coolest guy I've ever met. Wouldn't it be cool to be the deckhand on the new boat that SEA is building right now? There's a big plaque in Kramer's main salon that says, hey, this is the, the original crew of the boat, the maiden voyage crew of the boat. How cool would it be to be a deckhand on the new boat? And so I busted SEA's chops for a while about how I'm going to take some time off of school and can I be a deckhand? And they offered me a contract on Westward. And then they offered me a contract on Kramer. I said, okay, but I've got a bunch of time. How about in the shipyard? Finally, I got offered a job in the shipyard and spent some time in the shipyard finishing up the Siemens and then sailed her on her main voyage and was on board for the first group of students uh, back in 2001. And at that point, that was the, I was as far ahead in my, my career goals uh, sailing as I could see. Yeah. And that made me want to be the third mate at SEA. Maybe, you know, if I sail around for a year or two years, I can, I can come back to SEA as third mate. Where was the maiden voyage to, Jay? So when we left Tacoma, we were down, down the West Coast uh, to put into Monterey, California. Okay, cool. A lot of uh, captains and chief scientists and other SEA staff on board to, you know, essentially a big shakedown cruise. Right. And then the first group of high school students came on board in Monterey and we sailed down to, uh, you know, later on down to San Diego. Okay. So it was pretty, it was a short hop. So you weren't going necessarily, you weren't transiting the Pacific at that point. <laughs> no, no, short, short hops <laughs> down the coast. Uh, Monterey was the first port of call. So essentially Seattle to Monterey on that maiden voyage and mm-hmm. then boarding students in Monterey for local trips and then kind of bouncing our way down the coast. Was that, so was that your first vessel? Like, so when you graduated college, did you go right into SEA? Uh, I didn't. So my first boat, my sea semester program was on the Kramer. And then while I was still in school, uh, I got to go work in the shipyard. I was just kind of taking a leave of absence mostly to rejigger my school schedule because I took more than one degree and I needed to change some school schedule stuff. Sure. And that allowed, that allowed me to, to play at SEA for a while uh, on the Siemens. And then after I graduated, I didn't get back to SCA for five years. Okay. All right. I figured I'd sail for a little while. Yeah, and then go back to SCA's third mate. No. Five, five years later, I slipped on the floor and all of a sudden five years went by. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, there it was. So where else did you sail then? Uh, I spent two seasons on board the Ernestina. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. So that was my first, I guess, paid gig in the world there. 
Uh, I was Navy in Ernestina for two seasons uh, okay. and spent time on the Heritage Miami down the Keys doing some uh, oh small boat gosh. work down there. I was, uh, yeah, I was on board with Jed Deering. I don't know if you know Jed. I don't. Mm-mm. But, uh, yeah, he's been out of the business for a while. But, yeah, it was just the two of us running Sea Scout programs down there. Five-day oh, trips from, like, the Middle Keys down to Key West and up. And it was a fun way to spend some time before I moved on to Niagara. We okay. spent two, two seasons on Niagara. Uh, I spent a trip, a semester program, maybe the last semester program on Gamage. Okay. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> my, my first gig as bosun, I cringe when I think about how unqualified I was to be the bosun. Oh. <laughs> um, but, yeah. I think we're not recording. <laughs> I don't know. It's just funny. How you're like, you know, you're like, oh, man, you know, they, they hired me to do the job, but I, I was learning as I was doing, that's for sure. But do you find that that's, is that kind of how it is on board a ship? I mean, it is a very much a learn, I mean, you can, you can't come in, obviously you're hired for your qualifications and your experience, but, but, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you do definitely need to have that hands-on experience. So everyone at their, at their first, that first job, when you, when you first get your license, you're kind of like, ah! (laughs) And you're exactly right. And, you know, those jobs are meant to be that way. You're, you're supposed to feel that way at some point. Right. Uh, I just, when I think about it now, <laughs> and I think of other people I've sailed with at that point who were at that point in their career, I was, maybe I was behind the curve. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't. Maybe I'm. Nah, <laughs> maybe I think you're maybe too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're too hard on yourself. I think we always are. There is that. I, well, no, I am. I understand. It's, you know, you don't know. You didn't know anything then. You didn't know you didn't know anything then. Or maybe you did. <laughs> well, uh, no, no, that's exactly it. It's uh, when you don't know, you don't know. It's, a, it's one thing. When you start to understand the breadth and depth of that which you don't know, you're in a better place. Uh, that's, right. that's where you should be. You should understand how much you don't know instead of cowboying exactly. it around like, oh, I've got this. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think the important thing is that now you know. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So have you ever been on the West Coast then? Have you ever sailed uh, the West Coast on board? Like, were you ever on Lynx? Nope. I, uh, I actually really want, Lynx is one of the boats I really wish I had been able to spend some time in. Lynx in California. So I never worked Lynx. Uh, I sailed in Pride. I sailed in Virginia out here. I sailed Amistad. Okay. But I never, worked the, I never worked the boat on the West Coast. Because you have a doppelganger, and I'm going to send you a photo. Uh, because I swear to God, the first time I met you, I was like, yeah, we've met before. It was back in 2008 on board uh, Lynx. And you're like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, well, you're lying. <laughs> I was like, you've never wow. been more wrong. In, you've never been more wrong dynamic. in your life. Aaron, I just, I want to be really clear for those of you at home listening right now. There's no way I would not remember meeting you. Full stop. I just want to be clear, okay? For the record, it's I, I would have remembered. Unbelievable. So maybe it's who, your brother. Who is it? I don't know. It's some dude on links. I can't, hold on. I'm going to share, I'm going to edit this out, but I'm going to share my screen. I'm going to see. Like, I don't know, yeah. actually can't. Will you be able to see it? I don't know if you'll be able to see it if you're on your phone. But I'm going to no, send it to you. No, you should be able to share the screen. You should be able to share the screen. All right, hold on. If this works, I won't edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm looking at it right now. It's. And, it, and is it me? It's, to, it's you. <laughs> Look at this. I'm sure. Look at that. Oh. 
that guy's right? got chops. Right? But yeah, that's that's reasonably convincing. I'm not gonna lie. That guy's got my nose. I want my he nose. Does. What are you doing? He has your nose and your chin. Well, I'm it's... gonna Oh, I can zoom in. Hey, look at that. That you're right. You're not even lying. That is uncanny. Freakishly me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, well right. There you go. I I don't know I, who that is, but I want to. I I will find out. I will find out who that is. It's creepy. It's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, somehow I've never run into that guy in 20 plus years in the business. So uh, I don't know. Well, I wonder what happens if we both end up in the same place. Does the time-space continuum dissolve? <laughs> like, <what? laughs> That's really the reason why I wanted you on the podcast, just so I could share that photo and just be like, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've never had chops like that, but I'm now tempted to cut my beard, to cut my beard off and have chops like that just for a photo and see what happens. It would blow my mind. You're going to have to get, so I think it's, <laughs> I think he was on board links. He, the, in those funnies, he was definitely on board yes, in that period. Yes. Of so now. I believe he was on board links. I'm going to send it. I don't know who I'm going to find out. Jay, I'm going to find out who this is because it is <laughs> creepy. But in like, what you know, year is a, that? 2008. You, uh, who else do you know from that era on board links at that point? Colleen Maybe Allen, Moran. Links, but I don't know if it was, she might, I don't know if Moran was in at that. No, Moran might've been, she, I met Moran in 2006 on Virginia. So she might've been around links at that point. I'm going to have to dig around because I can't remember. Cause I think that was what, that was, uh, who was the captain was like Craig, someone, someone or other. I think he passed away, uh, several years ago, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I always wanted to stay out for Steve Peckham, but I never got the chance. Mm, I God, two thousand eight. It was. I re, there's a lot that's really vivid, but there's also a lot that I just. It's been a while. <laughs> so now that we got that out of the way, I want to talk about so most of your career. <laughs> most of your career was spent with SCA and sailing. Um, were you primarily on board one ship or were you on board both Corps with Creamer and um, Siemens? Do they kind of switch you back and forth? Do they, do you tend to get more comfortable with one? So they kind of uh, assign you to one for lack of a better word? No, I think that the goal is for people to be uh, comfortable on both boats. Mm -hmm. The boats are pretty similar, but the idea, I think, you know, if you're going to have a fleet, being able to shuffle your people around as necessary is, uh, is really important. But I think just based on how the schedule worked out, I spent the vast majority of my time on Siemens. Uh, and Siemens is Pacific Coast, right? That's right. Or Pacific Ocean, yeah. So that is very cool, first of all, because I'm sure you did. So how many transits did you do? Oh, that's a good question. I want to say that I've done somewhere between 20 and 30 sea semester programs. Yeah. uh I mean, I started as third mate in 2007, and I guess between 2007 and 2008, I spent half a year on the boat there, and then half the, the other half of the year up in Alaska, and then the rest of the time was pretty much 2007 to 2011 as mate, doing programs there, and then coming back in 2013, 2014, I came on as captain in 2016, and spent almost five years doing that. Yeah, something between 20 and 30. Oh, my God. 
So I, I wanted to ask, uh, when I spoke to Jen Haddock uh, last season, everyone should listen to the episode. She said that- <laughs> Nice, nice plug, nice plug. <laughs> right? I know, it's well pretty smooth. Fun. I've been working on it. Smack that right in there. <laughs> All right, <laughs> it's hilarious, she's a delight. Um, the thing, so are there things, what do you miss the most when you're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean because that transit, what, like two months-ish without sight of land kind of? Yeah, I mean, those programs are six weeks at a time. And I think that, you know, the thing I used to think about a lot on like the New Zealand Tahiti program is that for the vast majority of that time, the closest humans to you will be on the space station. <gasps> cool. Uh, you know, and, and you're probably out of sight of land for three and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could be out of sight of land for a month on some of the transits from, you know, the Marquesas on up to Hawaii or that kind of thing. And I don't know, what do you miss? I think right now sitting in this car thinking about all the things <laughs> happening in my life, sometimes I miss the quiet of just listening to the world go by at mm -hmm. sea. Mm -hmm. But I think cold water. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I miss cold water. The, the ability to put ice in my glass at will seems like such a small thing, but it is, it is the, the epitome of luxury in my life right now. I'm, air conditioning is also nice, but like I could deal without air conditioning. I've, I've right. sailed the South Pacific. I've been to, I don't know, you want to see hot, go to Christmas Island for a little while, but uh, ice in your glass. I miss that. <laughs> Jen would say she missed salad. And I was, yeah, I remember when I was, when I did Bounty, to transit on Bounty, I remember, like, I remember crisp, some crisp. That's what I, that's what Instead I Instead of wilted lettuce, you, you, you missed the crisp. <laughs> I the wilted crisp. lettuce that you're crisp. like, oh, that, that lettuce is past her date by... About two and a half weeks ago, she should have been given to the uh, given to the chickens. But okay, yeah, that's another good one. Yeah, salad. I don't I know. know ice cream. What do sailors want when they get to port? You know, either they want beer, they want ice cream. Not necessarily yeah. in that order, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes at the same time. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Did you, so, yeah, I mean, you casually, I love how you just casually mentioned, like, yeah, New Zealand to Tahiti, Christmas Island, blah, blah, blah. That's so cool. First of all, where is Christmas Island, for those that don't know, me? <laughs> there's a couple There's a couple Christmas Islands out there, but the one I'm talking about is uh, is about two degrees north of the equator okay. in the Pacific Ocean. So it okay. is in kind of the uh, the central, central Pacific Ocean. Uh, and you know, on your way up from Tahiti to Hawaii, you may want to be stopping at Christmas Island on the way. And uh, there's a, a bunch of programming at SEA that has spent time there over the years. And it is probably the hottest place I've ever been personally. Ooh, how hot was it, Jay? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, those, uh, you could crack an egg and like fry it on your oh. front step. Like oh. you could fry it on the deck. You could probably fry it on your buddy's arm standing next <laughs> to you. Like it was, it was hot and very still in the salt flats. I mean, if you get sunburned in Christmas Island, it is going to be a less than ideal experience for you. Do people live there? Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a good. It's part of Kiribati. Kiribati is how that country's name is spelled. Okay. But Kiribati, Sex Lives of Cannibals. Have you read that book? <laughs> yes. Uh, but yes. <laughs> Sex Lives of Cannibals is about you know there's a, a big piece in there about Kiribati. Do you have a favorite place in the Pacific that you that you uh, sailed into or spent time at? Oh, it is so that's such a good question. I, <laughs> I should have prepared you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's I don't know. I guess it's a really good problem to have to have that be a difficult question it to answer. Is. <laughs> I think one of 
I think one of my favorite places of all time is, is the Marquesas. Spending time in Nukuhiva is one of the things I, I think about a lot in terms of unspoiled, almost still, you know, the ability to see pieces of a place that are still wild mm-hmm. and untouched. Uh, I think sailing into Tonga. So uh, I was fortunate enough to take Siemens into Tonga for the first time in SEA's operating. Uh, that was pretty stellar. Getting to spend time at the new, you know, the newest land on earth. We sailed to HTHH, the volcano in Tonga, produced a new island uh, yeah. four years ago, five years ago now. And that was a, a unique and uh, incredible experience getting to walk around there and oh my god do a little bit of science i mean I, as a you know as a sailor i don't get to do the science i get to help the people do science but i'm not right. a scientist but it's the most meaningful piece of science i've been a part of Ugh, but yeah there's you know the, there's there's great things about almost every place that i've been fortunate enough to sail into and now i'm really kind of uh, having a little performance anxiety about <laughs> picking one i don't know <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe, we'll edit, maybe we'll edit that out, but I don't know. Like, <laughs> we'll edit that part out. Don't worry about it. The, <laughs> but I can't imagine being a high school student and having that opportunity. Or, yeah, being where, uh, no, I'm sorry, it's a college student and having that opportunity. Just, you know, I've mentioned this before, but God, what was I thinking? Like, why didn't I, why didn't I know about this when I was in college back in the, uh, late 90s, early aughts. Um, I did do a study abroad and that was incredible. I would never, I would not trade that for anything, but God, to be a, to be a freaking college student walking around a volcano and sail to places like Tonga, just what I, how do you go back to regular life? <laughs> so, some of us, Aaron, don't. And I think that that's the, <laughs> Is that the problem or is that the benefit? I don't know. It's, yeah. It depends on the day. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's a really good question. And I think that a number of people assimilate that experience and they use it as a foundation to build tools upon in whatever path they take. So they go into politics or they go into policy mm-hmm. or they go into whatever and they draw upon that experience. Uh, some of us kind of get tripped up and end up in the, you know, in the world of experiential education and love it. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. It's an indelible experience. Yeah. And I think that it changes all of us in a different way. But there's none of us that doesn't change. Right. Agreed. Tell me about Alaska. Uh, you mentioned the Iditarod earlier, and I have to say this is super <laughs> nerdy. This is like the nerdiest thing I think I've – well, I've admitted a lot of nerdy things on this podcast. But I was <laughs> – All right, everybody like, at home, get ready. <laughs> Yeah, ready. It's coming. Like, Here we go. <laughs> oh, God, it's just my mom that listens. Um, the, I was. <laughs> I almost spit out my coffee. That would have been your fault. I just I know. <laughs> I was obsessed with the Iditarod when I was like in seventh or eighth grade to the point where I even did a outward bound dog sledding like over Christmas break when I was like a freshman what? in high school. Yeah, I was. So completely obsessed with doing the Iditarod, it's like not even funny. So you mentioned it, and I have always had a fascination with Alaska, and I'm dying to go, and I would just love to, just absolutely love to go. So, yeah, what did you do when you were there? 
you know, like the industry is, so uh, one person says, oh, hey, you know, I, I know this gig. Why don't you come and do this gig with me or you should apply to do that gig or whatever the thing is. Resume not being yeah. a tool that you really need in this business. But uh, <laughs> a friend of mine from Niagara said, hey, I'm going up to work for the boat company. And the boat company is a small passenger ship operation in Southeast Alaska that has a tremendous connection to the tall ship fleet. Mm-hmm. A number of captains in the tall ship fleet cut their teeth uh, with their first commands on the original boat for the boat company. It's called, it was called Observer. Now it's called Seawolf. It's a hundred foot boat, carries 12 passengers. Uh, and, you know, spends five or six days at a clip in Southeast Alaska. The boats for the boat company are a little bigger than that. They carry 24 passengers. Uh, and they do fishing trips, hiking kayaking a day at the glacier where you're running around in nice little small boats at high speed dodging ice and and watching glaciers calf and drinking you know hot chocolate with baileys in it and life is nice <laughs> but uh yeah i mean going up and being a deckhand at the boat company was uh, a fantastic experience yeah getting learn how to fish and take people fishing and hiking in old growth forests in southeast alaska uh, it was yeah it was pretty hard to beat it's a a gig that I am really glad I did. And I kind of wish every now and again, I could just go back and spend a month uh, with life being that straightforward. and fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So you did say that you did a few polar plunges though. Yeah. I mean, you know, the goal is to, you know, there the people are excited about getting in the water in Alaska right up until they get in it. And they realize <laughs> it is exactly as cold as you were afraid it was. The amount of people that can, uh, impersonate dolphins in terms of their body motion right. it's it's incredible how quickly you can get somebody that doesn't move all that well to get out of the water yeah always always nice to see that people really are flexible if they try <laughs> but yeah i mean you know people want to go in the water sure I'll, I'll jump in with you no problem yeah no it's i do it i've done it a few times uh, in the northeast on new year's in the ocean and i immediately i was like Every poor decision in my life has led to this <laughs> to this moment right here. I, I was like, this, I see where this, I went wrong. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I done it, and then I did it again. So, <laughs> yeah. Again, we come right back to the why do people go back to sea? Why do people continue to have more than one baby? Like there right? it is. <laughs> there it you is. Forget, it's that. You forget the misery. You just yeah. There is a there is like that moment that like split second of elation, and then it's like. Oh, holy mother of God, what have I done? <laughs> I regret this. I, I really regret this. Yes, <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> I take it back. Get me out of the water. <laughs> but I mean, people that want to jump in the water while they're watching ice float by in uh, that water, it's like, this is not a good decision. Yeah. Okay, I, I understand you want to do it. All right, we're going to do it. You're not going to be excited about it. No, but okay. I, at the same time, I'm like, I'm up for the challenge, Jay. Hey, you know, bring it on. I'm, I'm all about it. I'm just saying that it's a, it's going to be exactly what you think it is. It's going to suck at least as much as you've imagined it. And probably you were incapable of imagining how much it's going to suck. It's going to suck more than that. It's going to be colder than you can imagine. And, and there you are. It's a type two fun full stop. It is the, right. the definition of type two fun. Yes. Right. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, that's awesome. Well, on this like 98 degree day, it, it definitely sounds appealing. That is for sure. 
Are you getting down to the beach? Are you getting to go in the water? I mean, I think the water right now is still cold enough that even at 90 degrees, I don't know that I'd be excited about going swimming today. I would. I would absolutely be excited about going swimming today. Uh, we have plans to go on Monday. I'm playing hooky. Don't tell anyone. But uh, although everyone nice. at work already, everyone at work already knows because I announced it. But uh, we are planning to go to the beach <laughs> on Monday, and I think it's uh, only supposed to be like in the seventies. But I don't even care. I I am a beach person, and I am a water person. I'm an ocean person. So this, yeah, everything kind of came full circle when I got this job. Except I don't get to spend as much time at the beach as I would would necessarily like. COVID aside, so. <laughs> Yeah. Balance in the force, Erin. Balance in the force. I know. Hey, were you part of the were you part of the SEA group that did the transit right when COVID started? I was not. I was supposed to sail from New Zealand to Tahiti okay. with students three weeks after I was supposed to fly to New Zealand three weeks after COVID hit. Okay. And so okay. the my, I had students on campus, six weeks on campus and six weeks on the ship. Three weeks into the program, COVID really became kind of a thing, and we were monitoring it every day, and it seemed every hour something was changing. Right. And there was a lot of discussion about, all right, well, why don't we just fly to the boat right now, and we'll get to the boat early, and we'll just get everything done. We'll get underway. Yeah. And that idea lasted for about 45 minutes before it became really <laughs> apparent it wasn't going to fly. Right. And so, the you know, Sean Burkaud did that trip, and he went because I wasn't going to New Zealand. I was staying on shore right. with our class to essentially have a Zoom C component of the right. semester so that they could continue to get credit for it. But yeah, it was right when I was supposed to, to do that. Right. I did want to talk to you about the, because you've done so many of these trips with, um, you've done high school students and college students, and that must be such a, a huge evolution from the time they get on board the vessel to when they actually leave. And I remember Jill Hughes in her episode that everyone should listen to mentioned that her favorite, <laughs> her, her favorite day was like the first day. And I think Jen also mentioned it too. It's, you know, everyone comes on, they're a little nervous and you kind of, as the captain or as a crew member, you're kind of looking around and, and seeing and just trying to figure out how everything is going to shake out. And I'm wondering if you, if you ever felt the same way, I mean, do you like the first day or are you more of like, eh, I'm more of like a middle of the voyage type person? <laughs> no, I, I think it's, uh, I, I hope it's a universal thing, but that first day is, is the money. Mm -hmm. So as a mate, you know, when you're working only on the boat, and it's the captain and the chief scientist ashore who've been working with this cadre of students and then bring them to the ship. Mm -hmm. They've had time on shore to, to prime them, if you will, mm -hmm. to get them ready for the community we're building and the, you know, the ethos of that community and, and how we're going to comport ourselves and what the voyage is going to be like. But then they get to the boat and they meet the crew. And that's, that's where you sell it. That's where you, you solidify it. You cement the the boundaries of the community, the expectations of the community, the potential of the community. You, you get to know them just a little bit and you stoke their excitement and you create the space where they can be, uh, I don't know, vulnerable. They can be right. honest with one another about this thing that we're all about to in experience together. Yeah. And that, that first day is, uh, I, 
you know, you sit down with your, your group of students, your watch of students and your watch partner as, as one of the scientists and, uh, and you go through all of these different things, these, this meeting about what, what life is going to be like. And if you sell it, if you stick the landing on that, you really got something to build on. Right. And that's, that's where it starts. And I didn't realize how uh, it wasn't me that was getting that started as the, as the crew member on the boat. That was a big piece of it, but the captain and the scientists on shore, the faculty really get that started in the classroom with those people. And uh, so when I moved into a faculty position, it was, it was even more exciting to see that I really have I've got time in the classroom to, to do that. It's like six weeks of that first day building that expectation, building that understanding about what we're going to do, creating the excitement and the anticipation of, yeah. of what's to come. That creating that buy-in happens at various steps along the way. So I think that for me is what that first day is about, that buy-in, making sure that, hey, here we go, like strap in. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been out with students yet on Tabor Boy? Yeah, so we uh, we got the schooner sailing this past fall. Okay. And we were able to sail the fall season and go through our Coast Guard inspection. And the Tabor Boy crew didn't get to sail in the spring and the summer, uh, last spring and last summer because mm -hmm. of COVID. You know, the seniors that had been sailing the boat for a while graduated. And so the juniors and sophomores that were coming back, you know, as seniors and juniors, uh, were at a pretty big disadvantage in terms of the time that they'd had on board the schooner. Right. And so there's a little bit of knowledge that's been lost. Yeah. And so we're going to get it back. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we got to sail this fall and I'm looking forward to getting back in the water to sail this coming fall as able. We're doing some work with the schooner right now and we'll see how it shakes out. I'm really excited for you. This sounds like a whole new adventure. <laughs> it really is. And I appreciate that so much. It's a, it is an adventure. I think that it has the potential to be, uh, a wonderful community and a wonderful job, but it is to kind of circle back to what we were talking about before daunting. It's a new flavor of daunting pretty frequently yeah. to think about, you know, it's made me realize how reliant on others I have been mm -hmm. and how fortunate I've been in the others that I've worked with, mm -hmm. uh, especially, especially at SEA, but, but really everywhere else, the idea of this being a, you know, a 90 plus foot boat that sleeps 24 and has for a long time just had one, professional mariner on board yeah i've i've brought a second uh you know adult professional on board so we'll always have at minimum two mm -hmm. and that uh, you know that i think is a change in the, in the right direction in terms of keeping up with uh current bridge resource management philosophy right uh, but it's still it's uh it's a big change an exciting so. one but a big change i think so can i make a suggestion Yes, please. <laughs> Can you and Jill Hughes throw down? So we have oh. one high school, one high school against another high school sailing group. I think that would be amazing. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, Jill is Jill's a good friend of mine. She's a wonderful person. I've known her. I, I met Jill Hughes at, in 2004 on Niagara. Oh, really? Uh, oh. <laughs> I, was, I was maybe on Niagara when, when Jill was... Uh, Maybe she was a 16-year-old, 17-year-old volunteer. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I've known Jill for a long time, and I have, you know, I have an incredible amount of respect for her, both as a human and as a sailor. I think that she is one of the people I strive to emulate in terms of not having 
an ego about things and, and receiving feedback and just being chill and go with the flow. She's an incredible role model, not just for uh, students, but for the, you know, for colleagues. Oh, absolutely. Her resume kind of really blew me away. It, uh, I don't know, name a ship that she hasn't, that she hasn't been on. You can't, it's like, it's really, and just talking to her, you're like, God, that's awesome. God, you're so cool. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I know. I've thought that about her for a long time. So this turned into the Jill Hughes Appreciation Podcast very abruptly. <laughs> but I am serious. I am serious about you and her throwing down because I think that would be, I'm going to reach out to her. Let's see if we can make this happen. <laughs> you have to give me a, you have to give me a little time to get this boat floating again first, okay? That's it. Yeah, that you know, right. throw down. I got to be, I got to be in the water. Just want to be clear. We're going to set some rules here, Aaron. We can do whatever we want. We're making it up. I love it. Um, thank you, Jay. I think that is, we can end it on a Jill Hughes appreciation. Um, but I, <laughs> I do, I really do appreciate you taking the time today um, to speak to me. It is always nice reconnecting with you. It has been way too long. So I, this, I was looking forward to this. So thank you. You were only looking forward to this because you thought I was that guy from Lakes. It's so true. I really just wanted to see. I was like, there's a doppelganger. It's a doppelganger, damn it. I, <laughs> I was love it. right. I really, yes. <laughs> I really want to know who that is. I really Me want to know too. who that is. We'll figure it out. I'll put it if I find out by the uh, if I find out by the time this goes live, then I will put it in the show notes. But otherwise, I might just put it out to the interwebs to have we can have like a, you know, have the the hive uh, figure it out for us. So I, I love it. who is this? It is not Jay Amster. <laughs> exactly. Spoiler it? alert. Or it is, is not it? Jay Amster. <laughs> Erin thinks it is. And she's been thinking about that person every time she's talked to Jay Amster for the last 12 <laughs> maybe, years. But. Or maybe it's just like a long con. Like, I don't know. Like this could just be like, it's just something you've like put together for the last like 12 years. And all of a sudden you're like, it was me. Ha <laughs> It's my CIA. It's my CIA fallback plan. That's right. That's how we do it. Sleeper, sleeper agents. So before we end, though, uh, did I miss anything? Anything you want to plug? Where can people find Tabor Boy online? Uh, TaborAcademy.org. There's a bunch of cool stuff there. Uh, Tabor Boy did the Marion to Bermuda race in 2019 in the Celestial oh. Navigation Division and won. Oh. Uh, and there was a fun documentary called Celestial put together by a, a Tabor alum. It was really well done. Uh, I don't know that you can find that online for free. I think that they were still doing screenings of it, but okay. you can certainly see the preview for it. Sure. Uh, but yeah, taperacademy.org. There's all kinds of good stuff about the schooner. You know, she's more than 100 years old, so there have been plenty of pieces uh, on her. And I'm excited to continue that legacy. Yeah, you should be. I'm excited for you, Jay. Can't wait to see what's next. Well, thanks again for having me, Erin. <laughs> a Bark, a Brig, and a Schooner Walk Into a Bar is a Tall Ships America production. The music provided by Kebab Studios. You can find us in all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Tall Ships America, and on our website at tallshipsamerica.org. Send us your sea stories or drop us a line at manager at tallshipsamerica.org. As always, be sure to support your local tall ship.